Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergott, the Chief Experience Officer at the CX Edge. Now, today I have to admit I've been fangirling a little bit. I've read a lot about Meredith, and um, we have a great guest for you today. Uh, her name is Meredith Elliott Powell. She's a business motivational speaker, award-winning author, business strategist, and most importantly, she's going to be the keynote speaker at the Mahina Convention coming up April 29th through May 3rd. So if you haven't already been convinced enough to register for the Mahina Convention, hopefully by the end of this podcast, you certainly will. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you. Looking forward to be here. That was quite the intro. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I mean it. I When I found out about you, I did some research. I watched some of your videos, read some of your articles, um, and I'm really excited, number one, to have you on today, but certainly really excited to hear your key, keynote speech at the Mahina Convention. Um, Thank you. I know one of the topics you focus on and will be talking about, I believe, at the convention is really leading through times of uncertainty. And I think it's such a great topic. And anymore, it feels like every year is a time <laughs> of yeah. uncertainty. Um, so I was hoping just so we can dive in, we like to get to know our guest speakers a little bit better. If you could just give me a little bit of background on yourself and maybe how you got started down your path. Yeah, so um, I live in Asheville, uh, North Carolina, and as you said, I'm a business motivational speaker, business strategist. I have kind of a crazy background. I worked in travel and tourism, then I worked in financial services, and then I worked in the um, in the healthcare field. And I never really thought any of that made any sense until one year I was doing a podcast and somebody said, tell us your story. And I realized I've always gotten involved in industries in times of disruption and figuring out how to succeed during times of disruption is kind of my shtick. I mean, it's really my passion. And a couple of years ago, long before we ever heard about COVID, I became obsessed with uncertainty because at that time, when the economy was hot and everything was good, everybody was worried about when the ball was gonna drop. And I just thought, why does uncertainty have to be a negative? And how do you lead through it so that your company can thrive and survive. So that just became my area of focus and passion. I love that. And like I said, I think now we live in this time where every year sort of feels like this era yeah. of uncertainty, <laughs> especially with what's happened over the last three years. Um, I was wondering, and kind of being in all of those industries over a period of time, what do you think have been some of the biggest challenges businesses have had to overcome in the last five years? In the last five years, I, you know, what's interesting is um, three years ago, you would have said, I would have said it was COVID. And now when I look at everything we're going through now, if I had to really narrow it down to one or two things, I would say the supply chain caught everybody by surprise. I don't know that many businesses, I say I work a lot in healthcare, really looked at how fragile their supply chain is and how dependent you are on, on supply chain. The other is talent. Um, talent has become um, finding it, developing it. Um, we're going through a major shift with what talent wants from a working environment. Um, and then with talent goes succession planning. We have so many boomers who kind of hung on after 2008 and um, but now are saying, look, I'm out. And there's not really the talent coming up um, uh, behind them. And, and what do you think leads to the talent not coming up behind them? 
Yeah, so I have a theory on that that is based on no scientific research, but I'm right. Okay. <laughs> right. I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> um, I think in 2008 to 2010, there were a lot of boomers looking to get out of the mm-hmm. um, of the workforce. Then 2008 changed all that, and they stayed in. And in order to survive from 2008 to about 2012, before the market started to turn again, you had to hold on really tight. And we cut a lot of things that we had to cut. I mean, that's how you survive in, you know, in, in business. And we let it, we let go of a lot of our training programs and really developing that next level, um, you know, that next level talent. And so it takes years to move into a CEO um, role or to move into critical positions. So I think a lot of that, I think the other is that, you know, you've got a a small generation coming behind um, uh, the boomers, you know, their Gen X is um, not a big generation. And so now we're reliant upon millennials who the oldest of which are just crossing 40. And that's kind of young to move into an executive leadership, uh, you know, position. So I think it's kind of a perfect, a perfect storm, but the company that focuses on talent and talent development is going to be the company that's going to win. I could agree more. And, you know, I don't hear that very often when people talk about the labor crisis when people talk about the next generation, I don't hear the focus or lack thereof of training very often. And I think you're right on now that you said it. Um, definitely have experienced that in companies I work for. Certainly in 2008, it was one, really one of the first things that was cut. Any type Absolutely. of education, um, any type of formalized training outside of specifically what your job was, um, really was cut with a number of other things. But that seemed to be, at the time, one of the low-hanging fruits that they could cut expense out. And I think now, at, to your point, we're all kind of seeing the negative yeah. side of of cutting those things out. It's a great point. And I know, you know, especially I've grown up in the material handling industry and um, both the supply chain issues as well as the talent issues have dramatically affected businesses within this space as they have around the country and the world. Um, So now it's kind of looking back, if you could look forward and say, what are some of the challenges you think that we're going to see in the next five years? Do you think those challenges kind of stay the same or do they evolve into something else? I think they I think they're going to um, I think they're going to evolve. I mean, I think that um, I think supply chain will still be an issue, but fixing um, and and moving technology and um, and really making the supply chain cleaner is going to be the um, the issue. I'll give you an example. I was working with a company and until they look got in there and looked, they didn't realize they had about 12 different um, vendors involved with their supply chain. They're amazed it didn't break before. The other is with talent, it's going to be a, a matter of merging talent with artificial intelligence. You know, that's going to be, and, and the reason that's going to be a challenge is because talent is going to need to be strategic and moved into, into positions of critical thinking. I don't think artificial intelligence is going to replace jobs. I think it's going to change jobs. And so rather than me going to work and waiting for somebody to tell me what to do, I'm going to need to come to work with strategic thinking and critical thinking um, skills. And I think that's going to be a challenge because I don't think that's taught in our education system today. I would agree. I think that's a great point. 
Um, kind of looking to the next step, and I think one of the ways that businesses become successful is to really have a solid plan, a solid goal, solid yeah. visions, but then actionable strategies of how to affect that. I think one of the, the flaws I've seen in some businesses that have created really well thought out plans is it kind of lacks a certain level of flexibility. And, yeah. you know, I think the world has always been like this. You know, there's always been frequency of change. Um, and I think now it's just happening sometimes at a faster pace. So how do you recommend that businesses build a really solid forward-thinking plan, but also build enough flexibility in it so they can navigate kind of unforeseen challenges? Yeah, first of all, you're right. We have always had dramatic change going on in the marketplace. It's one of the reasons um, that I wrote the book Thrive and a lot of the things that you'll hear me talk about from the stage. You think you've been through challenging times? Go back 200 years and see what businesses have, <laughs> you know, have come through. Now, I will admit, I think it's moving at a little bit more rapid pace, but you have to build a plan that's highly um, focused, be clear on where you're headed and where you're going, and then incredibly flexible, which sounds like a big oxymoron, right? Um, but it's not. That's how you have to lead. And I think that the way that you need to do that, I don't think it, I know the way you need to do that, is you need to change how you work with change, um, shift how you work with change. We wait for change to happen. And if you wait for change to happen, you're going to be so behind the eight ball. You need to condition and train your team for change. You need to start to think about and predict the changes that are coming in the marketplace. One of the biggest shifts I see for leaders today at any level of an organization is that in today's marketplace, there's more happening outside of your business than inside it that could impact your ability to be successful. So as a leader, you need to be focused on what is changing in the marketplace. For example, if you're not looking at AI right now, you're already behind. You, you know, even though these things won't move into your system, but the second piece is you have to condition the team. We're gonna talk a lot about this when I present at the conference about how to get your team in shape where they actually get excited about change, where they drive change. And that's gonna be a game changer for leaders. Yeah, and I think that's such a great point. And I've led a number of different kind of change management things through different organizations and immediately there's pushback and immediately yeah. the reason well nobody likes change you know and i think that's just a common thing that people tend to say and i'm mm -hmm. really curious to learn more about how you really communicate and create that culture from your team around that change is constant so when there is change it isn't this big uproar and this big fighting back against it so how do you communicate that to your team and start to build that culture within your environment? Yeah, well, the reason we hate change is because we feel out of control. I mean, the one thing that people want in the middle of uncertainty is control. It's the one thing you can't have is the one thing you want. And, and when it comes to change, we don't like it because we feel like it's done to us. And you need to make people a part of the change. And I'm going to hold that close to the vest, a big secret, because if you don't come to the conference, you're not going to get this unbelievable tool that I promise you is going to shift how your team thinks, feel, and act around change. But it moves them from feeling out of control to feeling in control, even though you still have no idea what's going to happen in the marketplace. But it is the shift that is the reason companies like Kodak didn't make it and the reason that companies like Netflix flourished 
um, but it is a difference in a way that we um, that we lead. And getting your team to get excited and actually start to drive the change in your organization, that's innovation. That's going to be, again, a game changer for you. Mm -hmm. Do you think with people now and the shift to kind of work from home and now companies are kind of making people come back and some of it's yeah. hybrid and we're kind of in this state of flux, do you think that in any way inhibits true innovation with organizations? Yeah, you know, I think I was I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I said, you know, this reminds me a little bit of when I studied going from the agricultural age into the industrial age. I think we're going through a literal economic shift and we're trying to figure it out right now, right? I mean, how what's that going to look like and how's it going to work? So that's why there's a lot of bumps in the road. But I think we will end up in a lot of hybrid, um, you know, work environments. I think if we don't have interaction, if we don't network, if we don't, you know, if I can't come into the office and learn from a mentor or build the connections and the relationships, I think it will hinder um, innovation. I mean, I think in the, even though we're in the height of all this technology, at the end of the day, we're people. And the most successful people that I see in the world today, I don't care what country you're in, are well-connected, well-networked um, people. And I think we will figure that out at the end of the day. But I wouldn't get upset about a hybrid work environment. I mean, you know, we used to all go to the office from nine to five, but that's all we worked from nine to five. Hybrid means I work all the time. I'm always available. I'm always accessible. So we're getting some things back. We just got to figure out these kinks that are going through it right now. I don't know that you can train next level leaders, though, without them seeing leadership in action. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that's one of the things we're going through now. And I, I've yeah. talked with people that love it, absolutely love it, never want to go back into an office. Yeah. And I've talked with people that don't necessarily like it. You know, and the reason always is, well, I can do my job from home. I don't need to be in an office. And I think a lot of jobs, that's 100% true. But my question yeah. back is always, but can you be better at your job by just yeah. working at home? You know, and it just depends, I think, on what you want out of your career. Um, and everybody's at a different stage. But I do worry, you know, if some companies can't get it figured out that there's going to be a bigger loss of talent and a lack of innovation. And there are ways to do it, certainly from a hybrid. But I, I love your point that I think we're kind of in that state of flux right now. You talk a little bit about how, you know, uncertainty really can be one of your biggest competitive advantages. And I was wondering if you can expand on that a little bit for us. Yeah, so um, left unaddressed, if you are a leader who doesn't address uncertainty, who doesn't you know, speak about it in your company, who doesn't have a plan for it, it's gonna produce one emotion among your employees. And that emotion is fear. It's the worst emotion to be produced in your company because it shuts down innovation, shuts down engagement and negatively impacts um, bottom line results. Why is uncertainty a competitive advantage? Because if you do have a strategy, if you do have a plan, number one, you're ahead of most CEOs. Uncertainty remains the top of the top three issues keeping um, CEOs up at night. They're worried about it. They don't know what to do about it and they don't see it as opportunity. They see it as a negative. If you can have that mind shift and you're comfortable leading your team in the gray, 
with the tools that I'm going to talk about when uh, when we're at the conference, I'm literally going to give you the methodology. If you can lead through that, you have to realize that you're leading in a very small per percentage of leaders. Most people are reactive when it comes to uncertainty. That's what's going to hurt you. You want to be proactive. You want to be controlling as much as you can control, even when you have no idea what's coming. How much do you think research plays a part into really understanding what uncertainty can look like? Because I do think that's a gap that a lot of people from a planning perspective aren't really looking at is the research and the availability of information, not to predict the future, but to have maybe a better sense of what the future might look like. Yeah, I think I think research is um is incredibly important on on two fronts number one i think you need historical just going back and watching how companies came through the great depression watching how companies survived um, world wars you want to talk about supply chain issues you don't even know what a supply chain issue is and there's a there's a lot of peace in that as well as learning some of the things that they did the other is you have no idea of knowing what's coming, but you can talk about things and start to see trends happening in the marketplace, and it can help you make a really good educated guess. And just the fact that you're thinking forward and you're moving, even if a different shift comes, your team is so much more ready for that. Like, again, you're kind of in shape for it. You know, it's the difference between if I decided to run a marathon and I sat on my couch for the next six months, or I was a cyclist who decided to run a marathon, the cyclist is going to do better in the marathon than the person who sat on the couch. It's not the exact same sport, but at least I was in some level of shape. So you can't know exactly what's going to happen, but there is so much you can do um, to get ready and spot the trends and be fairly accurate in what's going to happen in the marketplace. And that whole mindset is just a different shift of feeling like you're controlling things. The emotional shift of doing something about uncertainty versus waiting is is um, is, is really dramatic. Yeah, that's fantastic. And creating that agility in your team to yes. creating that culture, I can definitely see how it all ties together. Mm -hmm. um, so Meredith, you have made it to our lightning round of Mahita Talks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with our lightning round, but it's our way to get to know our guests a little bit better. So I have constructed 10 questions for a lightning round, and I have to be honest with you that the majority of the questions come from my 11-year-old daughter. So it makes them a little bit more authentic, but more interesting. They Kids come yes. up with more interesting questions than any adult ever can. Um, yeah. So are yeah. you ready to enter our lightning round? I am so ready. Okay. All right. We try to start off easy and then work our way up. Um, what is your most used emoji? My most used emoji is probably um, a thumbs up. I like it. Would you rather wear flip-flops to bed or wear slippers to the beach? Mm, probably flip-flops to bed. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, build your network, change your life. Networking is so important. I don't think it's so, it is so important. 
what qualities do you value in the people from whom you spend time with? Oh, um, a sense of humor, uh, honesty, um, a willingness to be up for um, uh, anything, and I would say uh, loyalty. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you spend that extra time doing? Oh, that would be easy. If I didn't have to sleep, I would be out hiking or playing golf or playing tennis or riding my mountain bike. I'd be doing something outside. Would you rather have skin that changes color based on your emotions or tattoos that appear all over your body depicting what you did the day before? Oh, I, my, I, I take the skin changing colors all day long. I fear the tattoos depicting what I did the day before. <laughs> As we go through it, I'm sure you can see which questions I wrote and which questions I wrote. Oh, what's something new happening in your life right now? Oh, I've just uh, published a new book called The Confidence Plan. It's all about the mindset that you need to be, uh, to be successful in life. And uh, Monday, I won a... Uh, I won a golf tournament in West Palm Beach, Florida, which I was quite wow. excited uh, about. Yeah, I didn't think I played all that well. And when I got to the end, I won. That is quite <laughs> a February you're having already. Yes. Um, yes. If you had a pet parrot, what would you teach it to say? You look thin and healthy, Meredith. <laughs> Have, you like, oh, Have you lost weight? Have you lost weight? Are you aging backwards? Yeah, um, I like that one. What is the favorite? What is your favorite room in your house? Mm, I right here in my office. I love my office. I'm sitting here. I have a big glass window there. I can see turkeys and deer in the um in the in the backyard. So I love this room. Yeah, I, and I was saying before, I love the rustic look to yeah. it. And if you have a big window that we can't see, I'm sure it makes it even more beautiful. Um, if you could have a lifetime supply of anything, what would it be? A lifetime supply of anything, what would it be? I would probably have a lifetime supply of either golf balls. Well, I was going to say tennis balls, but golf balls because I lose so many. I need them. Awesome. Well, Meredith, you made it through our entire <laughs> life in your house successfully. Congratulations. Thank um, you very much. And sadly, it brings us to the end of our, our conversation today. Is there any sort of parting words? you want to leave our listeners with before they see you at the convention? Just that I really want them to, um, to attend uh, the convention because we're in my session, we're not only going to change how you think, feel and act about uncertainty, but literally give you a proven methodology on how to navigate it. I'm so passionate about, um, about this subject. We have cracked the code on the biggest challenge facing leaders today. And that is how do you successfully navigate uncertainty. It's based on 250 years worth of research of companies that have come through far bigger things than you've ever come from. And I cannot wait to share it. You're going to walk out of there with tools, strategies, no questions in your mind of exactly how to execute it. I am super excited to be there. Well, I'm super excited to be there too. And I can't wait for that session. Thank you so much, Meredith, for spending some time with us today and giving us some highlights of what we can expect to see. Um, if you're not sure how to register for the convention, you can go to mahita.org. Right at the top, there's a button for convention. We hope to see everybody there. 
Thank you again, Mahita. Thank you again, Meredith. And thank you guys for listening today. We'll see you next time.